بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على المبعوث رحمة للعالمين وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد قال الله تبارك وتعالى في القرآن المجيد والفرقان الحميد إن عذاب ربك لواقع ما له من دافع وقال تعالى يا أيها الذين آمنوا قوا أنفسكم قوا أنفسكم وأهليكم نارا وقودها الناس والحجارة صدق الله العظيم Our dear friends, dear listeners uh, Nice to be back with you again this week And today inshallah We're going to try to get to the uh, Through the rest of this discussion About the concept of fear and hellfire Which is a really important discussion to have uh, Before we start speaking about hellfire So that we understand how to process it So today there's a a few things that remain um, in terms of uh, the fear aspect and how a person's fear should be um, and we provide here examples of various different people and their fear and so on so inshallah we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for uh, barakah and for blessing and for protection from the hellfire so uh, what we're going to do today is to discuss a few of the remaining topics the first one is how fear of the hereafter, fear of hellfire, fear of the punishment, etc., has caused, had caused, can cause actually some people to become sick and to take ill and uh, to yeah, um, that that's what it is. There's actually some people who've actually died because of that, as we've read stories before. But there's a lot of people who've actually become sick. For example, even Umar ibn al-Khattab radiyallahu anhu, Amir al-Mu'minin, he once heard somebody making tahajjud prayer at night. And in there he was reciting Surah At-Tur. Uh, Surah At-Tur. When in Surah At-Tur, uh, when Allah when Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, "Inna adab Rabbika lawaqi' ma lahu min dafi', that the indeed the punishment of your Lord is is going to occur. It's inevitable, right? It's it's definite, and there is nothing to repel it. There's nothing to defend against it, and there's nothing to thwart it which is verse 7 and 8 of Surah At-Tur. Umar radiallahu anhu said that this is by the Lord of the Kaaba, this must be true. He came back to his house and he then became sick for one month. He then became sick for one month just by, just, it was just that moment where he focused on this ayah, right? And it just gave him that feeling. So he became sick for, and there is this that, you know, when you get really fearful of something, it creates a physiological um, effect in your body so that you become sick it triggers a number of different um, things and emotions in your body and thus a person can become sick so he remained sick for a month and people were visiting him uh, because he was sick and they just couldn't understand what made him sick right they just couldn't understand what made him sick thereafter that there's a number of uh, these ubad of basra these uh, worshippers of basra were known for their worship a uh, number of them became sick. number of them have become sick, have re been recorded and reported to have become sick purely out of fear of the hellfire. And, and after that, they would just remain in their house. They were sick. They just had to remain in their house. They couldn't go about. Some of the names are Ala ibn Ziyad. Ata, uh, there's Ala ibn Ziyad. There's Ata al-Sulami. And this Ata al-Sulami, um, he actually became bedridden out of this fear for a number of years. number of years. And they think that uh, 
that also Umar ibn Abdul Aziz rahimahullah that the beginning of his his terminal illness and his sickness the one uh, his death sickness essentially was also due to the fear of the hellfire it just became so so uh, so evident and so uh, evident in front of them that they became sick Imam Ahmed rahimahullah has uh, transmitted uh, from he, through his chain that uh, from Muhammad ibn Mutarrif who says that there's a very reliable individual who has related to me that there was one of the youth of the Ansar, one of the youth of the helpers of Medina Munawwara. The fear of the hellfire entered his heart. So then he sat in his heart. Now this is the Prophet ﷺ then went to meet him. So the youth stood up when the Prophet ﷺ meant to meet him, to visit him, to see him. And he stood up and he embraced the Prophet ﷺ. And after that, he just let out, a, let out a sound and he passed away. So the Prophet ﷺ said, prepare, prepare your companion for burial. Prepare your companion for burial uh, because essentially it's death that has torn his liver apart. And it's the fear of the hellfire that's torn his liver apart. Thereafter that, we've got several other hadith. I'm just, there's so many of these incidents, but you know, we can't go through all of them. So that's why I have to just pick some of them just to give us an understanding that this is also possible. It just goes to show, right, how much these people feared. And, you know, when Mansur ibn Mu'tamir, Mansur ibn Mu'tamir, he's, he's well known. He's, uh, he's generally quoted in books. Haddathana uh, Mansur ibn Mu'tamir, he when he passed away his mother shrieked and she started crying out oh person who's murdered because of hellfire oh person who's murdered by the hellfire or he's he's basically somebody who's been killed because of the hellfire and he says it's only the fear of the hellfire that's killed my son she knew that he'd been suffering he'd been concerned about this for a very very long time now, as we said before, I just want to clarify, all of this fear is not necessarily bad, but it should never really become debilitating. And especially not to the level where it actually stops you from doing good deeds and st starts making you doubt the uh, doubt Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or the religion and lets the shaitan overcome a person. That's, that's the boundary. Then there's some other incidents that, uh, for example, Imam Muslim has uh, transmitted in his Sahih from Anas radiallahu anhu that the Prophet sallallahu said وَالَّذِي نَفْسِي بِيَدِهِ This is a very famous hadith and it's related to this subject. You may have heard it before. By the one in whose hand is my my life. The Prophet sallallahu is saying this directly. Sahih hadith. لَوْ رَأَيْتُمْ مَا رَأَيْتْ لَضَحِتُمْ قَلِيلًا وَلَبَكَيْتُمْ كَثِيرًا By the one in whose hand is my life, in whose control is my life. If you had seen what I have seen, right, the visions that I've had, I've seen hellfire and so on, you would laugh very less and you would cry a lot more. So then they asked, وَمَا رَأَيْتِ يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ What did you see, O Messenger of Allah? So then he, he, he told them, he said, I've seen paradise and I've seen hellfire. And it is such that it will make you cry a lot more and make you laugh a lot less. Another incident similarly mentioning both Bukhari and Muslim, from Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said when and he was talking about the last uh, solar eclipse that had occurred he said 
that when the sun was eclipsed, when there was the solar eclipse, I saw the hellfire. And falam ara manzaran kalyomi qattu afda minha. I've not never seen, I've never seen, I've never seen a spectacle, I've never seen a scene like I've seen today, ever. I've never seen a scene like that that is more terrifying than that. So the Prophet was was given to see it. You know, he, he could see this and he'd seen it. Likewise, Ibn Abbas anhu has mentioned from the Prophet that Law Ubrizati Narulinas Maraha Ahadun illa mata. Hellfire is such that if it become if it became evident to anybody, if it was to be revealed to anybody, if they saw hellfire properly, not just in a dream and so on, but really if they were to see hellfire, hellfire, they would die. That's that that is what it is. Some people have uh, some people have transmitted from Ibn Abbas as his statement. Others have actually said that he said this from the Prophet and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Thereafter that there's a lot of other statements. Bakr al-Muzani says Abu Musa al-Ash'ari radiallahu anhu once was giving a khutbah, a sermon. He was delivering a sermon in Basra. And in his sermon he mentioned the hellfire and then he started crying. To such a degree, I mean, it was just that moment he started crying until his tears begin began to drop on the pulpit itself. It was such a scene and such a spectacle that people began to cry, and they cried intensely. You know, the people in the gathering, they cried intensely. Another story, which is a really interesting one, from Ibrahim ibn Muhammad al-Basri. He says, once Umar ibn Abdul Aziz, rahimahullah, the, the wonderful Amir al-Mu'mineen, he saw by him a man whose face had just changed. It was ashen or something. It was just changed. He said to him, what's your problem? What is it that I see with you? Like, what's going on with you? So he says, oh, it's just certain illnesses and sicknesses, Amir al-Mu'mineen. Insha'Allah, if Allah wills. So Umar, uh, sorry, Umar ibn Abdul Aziz again repeated the question. Again, the man said the same thing. Oh, it's just some sicknesses, Insha'Allah. It's just some sicknesses, some illnesses. Three times. But at the third time, he says, okay, look, like if you're just refusing, uh, if you're just refusing to accept that as an answer and you want me to really tell you, then what it is, is I'll tell you, I've experienced the world. I've actually tasted the world. I've enjoyed the world. I've tasted the dunya. And after tasting the dunya, it's actually become so insignificant in my eyes. All of its embellishments and adornments have become very insignificant in my eyes. And now the gold of the world and the regular stones of the world have become equal in my sight. There's no difference between them. Subhanallah. And then he says, I've had a vision, like I've experienced this vision as if people are being driven to paradise. So I've seen a vision in which people are being driven to paradise and I am being dragged to the hellfire. So when I saw that vision, that obviously frightened me a lot, he's saying. So he says, He says, because of that, I've started, essentially, I've, I've, I've started to stay awake at night. I've started not to sleep at night, and I'm staying hungry, I'm staying thirsty in the daytime, which means he's fasting in the daytime. And he says, but, I mean, he had his, you know, he, he wasn't debilitated, right? He was definitely concerned, he was definitely concerned and you could tell something about him, right? You know, you can tell when somebody's going through something like that. It's just the body language is like that. But he says that 
the good thing is that all of these things are just small in my eyes uh, they're all small when you compare them to the when you compare them to the forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the reward of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and when you compare them also to the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so that's why I'm more worried about and that's what I'm more hoping for meaning the the good the the rewards of the hereafter and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's generosity and his forgiveness but I'm also worried about um, the punishment this is actually a very similar incident as has actually been mentioned in a uh, hadith the hadith of uh, is the famous hadith of Haritha right um, it's been transmitted in numerous different ways uh, through number of chains and so on there's a bit of weakness in some of them as well Thabit relates from Anas anhu that the Prophet said to this youth of the Ansar, I think I've mentioned, So in this case, we know his name. Like, how are you this morning? Haritha, how are you this morning? So he says, Asbahtu mu'minan billahi haqqan. I have, I am this morning, I've entered this morning as a true believer. As a true believer of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the Prophet said to him, hey, 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 you know, take it easy. He didn't say those words, but he says, like consider what you're saying like check what you're saying because every statement has a reality and if you're making a claim and you uh, cannot stand up to that reality then you could be making a mistake because you could be lying you could be exaggerating it says every right for every statement there's a reality so he said ya rasulullah so then he explained himself ya rasulullah i have taken myself away from the dunya like I've withdrawn myself from the dunya so because of that I've started staying awake at my nights and I've started remaining thirsty during the daytime and it is as if the the arsh of my Lord the throne of my Lord is evident and visible in front of me right and it is as if I can see the people of paradise that are visiting one another you know when the people of paradise will visit one another it's almost as if i can see that vision right but i can also see the hellfire the people of hellfire running away and having all of these problems with one another in the hellfire so then the prophet said okay fine if you've seen this vision if you've had this insight you've seen this vision then make sure you remain steadfast right hold on to hold on to what you're doing because then the Prophet remarked about him and you know we were not there for the Prophet to remark these things about us but this is a servant who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has actually illuminated his faith in his heart yeah Allah may, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make that happen to us as well I just want to tell you of a quick incident there's a person who contacted me who has been dealing with drugs for a long time he lives a double life he says his parents don't know his two brothers are alims as well and he's been dealing drugs been doing it for a long time and um, he called and say I need to help me get out of this so I I mentioned a few things and one of the things I mentioned because I think for me one of the biggest things about drugs that if somebody can just realize what harm they're causing you know it's haram it's all of that but the harm that they're causing right to the people that are taking drugs you know when you're the source and your supply okay you might say well somebody else might do it well you're the supplier right you're supplying something which is haram which is wrong and the harm that you're causing to people okay 
when they get addicted with this stuff, especially when you get into children and other people and vulnerable individuals, right? So I just had a short conversation with him. After a few days, I got a message from him, just a text message saying, you know what, um, this hasn't had any impact on me. You need to come from another direction. Like you need to tell me something else. This hasn't had an impact on me, right? So I wasn't able to get back to him uh, because text message, I don't like text message. I was going to try to call him. I thought he would call me back, right? Because that's what I thought I told him to do. Alhamdulillah, after a, uh, you're making some dua for him as well. After a few months, uh, no, a few weeks actually, just a few weeks, he calls me and he says, you know what, I'm out. Alhamdulillah, I'm out now. I've given it all up. I've had some massive issues with the other dealers and so on because they, they saw like a whole shareholdings they have and it's crazy. There's a whole link that all goes away back to these big suppliers and everything. And he says, we've we've had fights about this and I've Alhamdulillah, I'm, you know, I've gotten away without... Uh, you know, without basically being killed or, you know, without being injured or whatever. Alhamdulillah, I've given, uh, I've gotten out of it. And uh, so I said, what happened? You said that it wasn't working. He said, well, what happened is that then a woman came to me to buy drugs and she had to lie out of her teeth. That's what I understood. She had to make excuses about her babies uh, having no money. And he goes, look, I used to take it. He says, I used to take it, but I had abundant. I had, I was a supplier, so I had enough drugs. So I didn't really understand what other people are going through in this regard like you know how tough it is for other people but after you know that discussion he says when this woman came to me and she had to literally was reduced to making these feeble excuses of uh, trying to beg me basically I'm, I'm, I'm adding some of the, you know the understanding to this right and making excuses about her children's uh, diapers nappies and so on he said that's when it hit me and he says I have to get out of this right Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala it's his moment right it's his moment Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted to give it to him then I'm receiving some may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give him the steadfastness because it's so easy for people to get back in may Allah give him the steadfastness maybe Allah he is asking if there's another job somewhere um, may Allah make it easy again I don't know who this person is right I've just spoken to him on the phone I don't even know his name right and but uh, may Allah may Allah bless him may Allah give him steadfastness and may Allah take a lot of other people out of this they should they should listen to this and um, he he's 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 writing he's like he seems to be over the moon and uh, based on you know the the messages I'm getting from him Allah just g g keep him like that I mean he's he's on a spiritual high right now right he's experiencing that spiritual high but you don't generally have spiritual highs for a very, very long time. It's very difficult to maintain that. So I hope he doesn't crash. So we're all going to make dua for him. And I'd like you to make dua for him as well. And for all the others who are involved in either taking drugs or, or taking and supplying drugs, which is even worse. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala relieve them. And may Allah relieve us of all the other issues that we may have issues with. Right, let's move on. There's another hadith from Ibn Abid Dunya. Ibn Abid Dunya, he's mentioned another narration through his chain. From, again from Umar ibn Abdul Aziz that once Umar ibn Abdul Aziz was sitting there silent and his friends, his companions there, they were talking, they were engaged in conversation, he was quiet. So they started saying, they turned to him and says, Malak la tatakallam ya Amir al-Mu'mineen, why aren't you speaking Amir al-Mu'mineen? He said, kuntu mufakkiran fi ahli al-jannati kayfa yatazawaruna fiha. I've just been thinking, I've just been pondering of the people of paradise, how they are going to visit one another. Now you see, this is the difference between what level he's at and where many of us are. You know, when we think of paradise, it's like, I need to get into paradise. There's no detail about where in paradise and the details of what it's going to look like. You see, when we want to buy a house or a car, we become more space. It's not like, hey, I just need a car, right? That's children. I just need a car. They have these dreams about cars. But when it comes to 
person who really understands paradise, they're going to start thinking about the specific place in paradise. So he's thinking of the time in paradise when people are going to be visiting one another. What an amazing part that's going to be. Maybe that idea came from the fact that he's sitting with his friends, right? So that gave him the idea that, you know, what about in paradise? This is the Salihin, you know, the righteous people. This is where they take them to. But then he also says that I was also pondering over the people of hellfire, how they're all going to be shrieking in there, how they're going to be crying out, right? How they're going to be wailing and lamenting. And then after that, he started crying. There's another statement from Mughith al-Aswad that he used to say, Zuru al-Qubur, kulla yawmin bifikrikum. I mean, that may not be possible for all of us, but if you do have a graveyard close to you, you take a walk there, but you have to ponder when you go there. You have to think about us following in that in their footsteps. Then he says, he says, go visit the qubur, go visit the graveyards every day with your reflection. Then after that, he says, consider all of the goodnesses every day in paradise with your intelligence. Consider, think about, imagine with your intelligence, with your rational faculty, all of the different goodnesses right that are available in paradise and then he says washahidul mawqaf kull yawmin biqulubikum then think of the standing place of the hereafter ponder over it with your heart meaning use your mind and heart when you do this don't just go there as a trip or as a ritual wanzuru ila almunsaraf bil fariqayn ila aljannati wan nar bihimamikum then after that think about how people from the standing place of the reckoning people will be taken uh, some people will be taken to paradise and some people will be taken to hellfire then wa ash'iru qulubakum wa abdanakum dhikran nar wa maqami'aha wa atbaqaha then after that get your hearts to feel and sense and your bodies to sense and to 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 enjoy the remembrance uh, sorry to think to think and to sense uh, the hellfire and um, all the other punishments and the layers and the levels of paradise uh, of hellfire and so on the other day me and my son 10 years old he's we're going to the masjid for isha and um, i just remember the hadith i told him i mean we need to encourage our children we need to tell them the benefits as well so i said the hadith of the prophet which says that give glad tidings to those who are walking in the darknesses of the night with a complete light on the day of judgment give glad time glad tidings to those who walk to the masjid in the darknesses right with a complete light on the day of judgment on the day of judgment when a person is going to have to navigate his way right when you're standing on the day of judgment that's going to be a sun really close to you that's different but partly before that when a person or even after that where you're going to have to find your way to paradise for example or to wherever it is there's going to be no light the only light is actually going to be from the light of your iman and a'mal so in surah al-hadid allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a beautiful verse it's actually a really really profound verse allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying there that 13 of surah al-hadid يَوْمَ يَقُولُ الْمُنَافِقُونَ وَالْمُنَافِقَاتُ لِلَّذِينَ آمَنُوا ذُرُونَا نَقْتَبِسْ مِنْ نُورِكُمْ قِيلَ رُجِعُوا وَرَاءَكُمْ فَالْتَمِسُوا نُورًا The day when 
the hypocrite men and women will say to those who believe look towards us look towards us so that we can take some of your light you know we can take some of your light we can grab some of your light but it will be said to them it'll be said to them you should return behind you you should re you should return behind you and you should look for your own light Thereafter that, there's going to be a barrier placed between them. And there's going to have a door. Internal, inside which there's going to be mercy, but on the outer side of it, there's going to be punishment coming from that direction. They're going to call out to those believers, weren't we with you? Didn't we used to be with you? Didn't we be with you as, as um, believers, making ourselves out to be believers, obviously? Ya Allah! قَالُوا بَلَى وَلَكِنَّكُمْ فَتَنْتُمْ أَنفُسَكُمْ وَتَرَبَّصْتُمْ وَارْتَبَتُمْ وَغَرَّتْكُمُ الْأَمَانِي حَتَّى جَاءَ أَمْرُ اللَّهِ وَغَرَّكُمْ بِاللَّهِ الْغَرُورِ Yes, of course you used to be with us, but you were then taken by temptations. You let yourselves be taken away by temptations. And, and it carries on. That will be the discussion. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us light on the Day of Judgment. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us light on the Day of Judgment. So he's got this whole meditation. He says, go to the graveyards, think of all of the goodnesses of paradise, think of the standing on the Day of Judgment, think of the return, right, where people now are appointed to paradise or they're doomed to hellfire and let now the punishments of the hellfire just experience it, right? Just think how you can... SubhanAllah, there's virtual realities of everything in the world i don't know where this idea just popped in from but there is virtual realities for everything you want to do there's virtual worlds out there second lives all of these games and all of this stuff avatars and everything the augmented reality uh, headsets and all of these instruments when is somebody going to make one about the hellfire not a horror movie that is a movie it's about the hellfire where are you Muslims out there? Where are you animators, the, the ones who are Muslims, you IT people of, among Muslims, graphic designers and others who are into this? Do something for your faith, like do something that's going to help people. Don't just do your work for the, for the sake of earning a living now that you know this stuff, right? You know, where is that? You know, where is it that's going to bring hellfire and paradise closer to us? You know, give somebody an experience, take some of these take some of these ideas and produce them you know make it make it vivid not just about enjoyment not just about a horror movie at the end of the day it's a it's an enjoyment i don't know i hate horror movies like i hate anything to do with that i don't know how people can watch them seriously right what kind of twisted ideology people have to watch those kind of things that they get something out of that right so do something that will actually help people uh, realize what hellfire is and maybe save a few people and you'll be rewarded inshallah right moving on there's a person called Saeed al-Jirmi he used to say regarding the description of 
those people who are fearful that subhanallah when they pass by a verse in which there's a mention of the hellfire they 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 really call out they shriek out you know out of uh, fear of it it is as if the shrieks of the hellfire is in their ears and it is you know the only way you can experience of why they're so fearful is, is as if the shrieks of hellfire are a reality for them without no headset you know without any instruments they're just actually thinking of this of this in their mind right they're not even looking at a screen or anything and it is as if the akhirah is right in front of their eyes may allah make that a reality for us so we can benefit thereafter that ibn uyayna says that ibrahim at taymi mentioned that i give myself i consider myself like i provide visual a visualization of myself in paradise subhanallah you know imagine you're sitting yourself in paradise eating from its fruits and uh, embracing uh, the maidens and so on so he says i do that and then after that, i have another experience you know i go into this other meditation where i imagine myself in the hellfire eating having to eat from the zakum you know all of these thorny bushes these really 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 disgusting thorny bushes of the hellfire and i and i imagine myself having to eat from the pus and the blood i mean just imagining that would be i think frightening enough and then he says i think of myself dealing with all of the chains and all of the shackles and everything and then i say to myself what do you want which one of those two do you want which one of those two experiences do you want and then nafs would say in the hereafter he would think right that I would love to just go. So he's imagining himself in paradise and then in hellfire. And then he's saying, which one do you want of these? He says, oh, I actually want to go to the world so I can go back to my life, basically. Right. Come out of my vision, go back to my life so that I can start doing good deeds. So then I respond to my nafs by saying, well, right now you can get whatever you hope for. So, so go ahead and do that. So he's essentially talking to himself. That's why I said if somebody can produce such a experience of paradise and then hellfire and then have these questions you know if you can do something like that i'm willing to work with you because i think this would be very 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 powerful right uh, we show you know a, a 3d you know imagery of what paradise would be like and what hellfire would be like and then there's a question right subhanallah i think it could be a very very powerful experience there's no museum like that. I don't know if there's a museum even like that. They've made museums in the world for everything. You know, they've made rides like this for everything. Universal Studios, Disneyland, all of these other places, you know. But nothing like this. Nothing like this. I don't know if there is. Maybe there is. Maybe I'm missing something. Right, let's move on. This is uh, the next chapter where he deals with a really interesting idea. In this one, it actually shows that it's not just human beings that are concerned about the hereafter or should be concerned about the hereafter. Right, actually, human beings and jinn are those who should be concerned about the hereafter. But what it goes to show through the Quran and other sources is how other creatures who actually shouldn't be worried about the hellfire because they're never going to go there, right? They shouldn't be going there at all, right? They are even concerned you know, they are concerned about the hellfire. So for example, in Surah Al-A'raf, there's a number of verses, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about this. 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, وَلَقَدْ ذَرَأْنَا لِجَهَنَّمَ كَثِيرًا مِّنَ الْجِنِّ وَالْإِنسِ لَهُمْ قُلُوبٌ لَا يَفْقَهُونَ بِهَا وَلَهُمْ أَعْيُنٌ لَا يُبَصِرُونَ بِهَا وَلَهُمْ آذَانٌ لَا يَسْمَعُونَ بِهَا Surah Al-A'raf 179 We've created hellfire, or we actually created for hellfire, an, you know, an abundant amount of jinn and human beings and these are those who have hearts that they cannot think by, they cannot comprehend with, eyes which they cannot see by, and ears that they do not hear with. Those are the people who are going to be in the hellfire. Then Allah says in Surah Hud 119, The words, the declaration, the words of your Lord have been complete. I am surely surely going to fill Jahannam with the jinn and the people all together. So in these both of these, we've got the jinn and the humankind being discussed about being in hellfire. Then Allah says <clears throat> a similar verse in Surah Al-Sajda verse 13. I'm not going to repeat it. Then in Surah Al-An'am verse 128, Allah says, وَيَوْمَ <laughs> This again talks about the hellfire uh, for the jinn. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about the, the specific jinn that had heard the Quran right at the beginning, which is from Surah Al Jinn, verse 14 15. They, Allah quotes the jinn saying, those who are the wrongdoers among them, then they will become fuel for the hellfire. Thereafter, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Rahman, there's several verses. <clears throat> Allah says, Then, يُرْسَلُ عَلَيْكُمَا شُوَاظٌ مِّن نَارٍ وَنُحَاسٌ فَلَا تَنْتَصِرَانِ فَيَوْمَئِذٍ لَا يُسْأَلُ عَنْ ذَنْبِهِ إِنْسٌ وَلَا جَانٌ فَبِأَيِّ آلَاءِ رَبِّكُمَا تُكَذِّبَانِ يُعْرَفُ الْمُجْرِمُونَ بِسِيمَاهُمْ فَيُؤْخَذُ بِالنَّوَاصِي وَالْأَقْدَامِ <coughs> So verses 31, 32, 35 to 41, very relevant about this. Now, what you have to understand is that among pretty much all of creation, aside from the special human beings like the prophets and messengers, among all the other creation, the most noble of all other creation in, in general, right, <clears throat> are the angels, right, the angels. Despite that being so close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, doing his bidding, never disobeying they've also been actually warned of the hellfire and they actually fear of it they're fearful of it even though they're not going to go there because who knows For, you know you you might just be who knows allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says وَقَالُوا اتَّخَذَ الرَّحْمَنُ وَلَدَ سُبْحَانَهُ بَلْ عِبَادٌ مُكْرَمُونَ لَا يَسْبِقُونَهُ بِالْقَوْلِ وَهُمْ بِأَمْرِهِ يَعْمَلُونَ it carries on and then he says is talking about the angels. 
ومن يقل منهم إني إلههم من دونه فذلك نجزيه جهنم كذلك نجزي الظالمين سورة الأنبياء verse 26-29 and whoever among them says that <coughs> I am meaning they are a Lord besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then we will recompense them with the hellfire and this is how we recompense those who are oppressors there's a whole story of Harut and Marut which I'm not going to go into that there's a lot of discussion there but there is a hadith uh, that Imam Ahmed has related from Anas radiallahu anhu that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa this is you probably not heard this hadith before the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa once asked Jibreel right that how come I'm not seeing Mikail alayhi salam around laughing no I'm seeing him around but when I see him I do not see him laughing I'm not sure exactly when this incident took place but this is a discourse so Jibreel said Mikail has not laughed since hellfire has has been created he's also transmitted in Kitab al-Zuhud from Abu Imran al-Jawni that it's it's reached us that once Jibreel came to visit the Prophet and Jibreel was crying, weeping on that day. So the Prophet said to him, What's making you weep, Ya Jibreel? Jibreel then turned to him and said, Ya Muhammad, don't you weep as well? He says, Since Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created hellfire, my eyes can't stop. Just out of fear, meaning I cry, I cry, right? Out of fear that I will disobey him and he will throw me into it. There's numerous narrations of this nature, right? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Thereafter that, there's another narration from Ibn Abi Dunya. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created certain angels who will who do not never laugh. Not one of them has laughed since the day they since the day that Jahannam has been created, just out of fear that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would be angry and thus punish them. They're just fearful, right? They're fearful. Now, I'm not sure if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has told them that he's not going to punish them or not. I don't know. But they're not responsible beings like us where we have to, they have to as well, but they have no way of disobeying Allah, whereas Allah has given us a choice. Now, if you go beyond, uh, we've talked about humans, we've talked about jinn, as mentioned in the Quran, we've talked about angels. Now, other than, other than that, it's also mention of animals being fearful, right? There's a number of uh, discussions about that as well uh, and uh, some hadiths about that as well other than haywan other than living beings right objects solid objects like stone and so on well allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself has told us that stones fear allah subhanahu wa ta'ala right it's in the quran it's in surah al-baqarah verse 74 allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says <clears throat> وَإِنَّ مِنَ الْحِجَارَةِ لَمَا يَتَفَجَّرُ مِنْهُ الْأَنْهَارِ وَإِنَّ مِنْهَا لَمَا يَشَّقَّقُ فَيَخْرُجُ مِنْهُ الْمَاءِ وَإِنَّ مِنْهَا لَمَا يَهْبِطُ مِنْ خَشْيَةِ اللَّهِ So among the stones and boulders and, and so on are those from which, which lakes and streams can erupt. And there are others which can actually break into pieces or can split and water come out of them. 
and there are yet others who fall down, right? Who tumble down, who roll down out of the fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions this. And that's why <clears throat> Mujahid, uh, it's been transmitted from one of the early uh, commentators of the Quran, Mujahid. He says, Kullu hajarin yatafajaru minhul ma wa yatashakkak an ma aw yataradda an ra'si jabal min khashyatillah. He says, all three of these are due to the fear of Allah. If they split and from them comes water, right? Um, uh, water springs out of them or they just roll down from somewhere. That is all out of the fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah says that in the Quran. So he does the tafsir of this verse like that. That's why Al-Juzajani, right? He's also transmitted from Mujahid, from Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu this time, that when a stone falls to the ground, you know, from maybe the side of a mountain or a hill or something, right? Certain stones will, certain boulders, you have these landslides, certain boulders will actually fall down, right? Will tumble down from the side, right? They'll have a landslide and they'll slide. They are such that if a huge group of people were to get together, they would not have been able to move it it just moves sometimes and just tumbles down through the fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Maybe think of landslides. Think of slow uh, snow, uh, you know, when you have these snow slides that come down as well, right? Out of, out of fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's why another great early uh, comment at Tawus, he says, even the moon, إِنَّ الْقَمَرَ لَا يَبْكِي مِنْ خَشْيَةِ اللَّهِ وَلَا ذَنْبَلَ even though the moon is sinless, without error, we're infallible in a sense, it still will cry from the fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because they've recognized Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Even though the moon is never going to be asked or reckoned with or to be questioned about anything, and there's no recompense for the moon, subhanAllah. And I think the final thing we need to, disc uh, to discuss to complete this first segment Right of this series, the first segment of this series is all about the fear of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Before we start discussing para, uh, hellfire itself, so can you believe it that even the even the fire of this world, even the fire of this world, which came from that fire, right, seeks refuge from getting into that fire again? Nufay Abu Dawood has transmitted from Anas Ibn Majah has transmitted this hadith as well. From the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, that inna narakum hadihi la juzum min sabiina juzum min arjhanam. That yeah, this is a famous hadith in other places as well. That this fire of yours, in the world, any fire, right, however intense it may be, it's just one seventieth. It's lost seventy powers. So the the hellfire is actually seventy times, you know, to the power of seventy of this particular fire that we deal with in the world, and. Then the Prophet ﷺ said that if this fire had not been extinguished, right, um, with water twice, you'd never be able to benefit. This is like such a weak fire, even if it's raging, you know, like the Cal California fires and, and the Australian bushfires and so on. Even if it's raging, just consuming things in their way, it's been washed. It's been washed. Otherwise, we'd not be able to benefit from it. It's nothing. It's like nothing compared to 70 times. I mean, that's huge. Ibn Abi Dunya has another hadith from Abu Raja. He says that when Ibrahim alayhi salam, you know, story of Ibrahim alayhi salam, when he was thrown into that fire, 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala instructed that fire, threatened that fire actually, right? You know, kuni bardan wa salaman ala Ibrahim. That was the command. But in this, in this uh, transmission, what it says is that he also threatened it. He says that if you hurt him, strike him and hurt him, meaning Ibrahim alayhi salam, I will return you to the, uh, to the major fire. So that fire for three days did do nothing. People couldn't benefit from that fire at that time. To finish this off now, what is the way out of this? All of this fear that we've spoken about, the various people who have fear, the different creations of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that has fear, <clears throat> the different types of fear, the effects of the fear, and so on. All of that discussion has been done. So what do we do now? How can we protect ourselves? And this is the most beautiful part of this. So before we start talking about the hellfire, this is, I think, the most beautiful part of this. That subhanallah, Ibn Rajab al-Hanbali says that there are so many revealed texts, there's so many hadith and so on, that crying from the fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will necessitate safety from the fire and escape from the fire. If a person cries out of the fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that is the antidote, that is the protection, that is the refuge from the fire. That's how a person is going to be freed from the fire. And crying out of the fear of hellfire is essentially crying from the fear of Allah. So if you can do that meditation that was described earlier, <clears throat> or design something to do that with, by listening to some verses or whatever, right, or animation, whatever you want to do, just sit there and brood over it in a moment of weakness or vulnerability about how severe the hellfire is and so on. That in itself is essentially fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because if you didn't believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you wouldn't be fearful of the hellfire. Because it's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who's told us about the hellfire. It's Allah's hellfire. He's the one who created it. He's the one who's telling us about it. He's the one who's telling us to be fear, fearful of it. So if you are fearful of the hellfire, it means you're fearful of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You can't take Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala out of the picture. Because the concept of the eternal, uh, the, the fire of the next world is an aspect understood through faith. That faith comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He tells us, He's informed us, and He wants us to understand this and believe in it. So that's why he's saying that in, is essentially the same as being fearful of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because crying and weeping from the fear of the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his anger and so on and fear of being distant from him and from his mercy and so on, right? That is essentially what it is. If you're in the hellfire, you're going to be far from Allah's mercy, far from Allah, far from everything and it's going to be the place of the wrath of Allah. So that's essentially, you can't, divorce the two you can't divorce the two and i've clarified in the third lesson right how to balance the understanding and the various statements that are made about i shouldn't fear hellfire i should fear allah well that's fine you fear the hellfire it is allah's hellfire anyway right so you should fear that and fearing allah means you need to fear the hellfire as well that's why now there's some really 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 mashallah really encouraging really persuasive really benefiting and really beneficial narrations going to bring Really, that give us a lot of good hope. Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu relates that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, لا يلج النار رجل بكي من خشية الله حتى يعود اللبن في الدر 
Imam Nasai and Tirmidhi have transmitted this. It's a Sahih narration that any person who has cried out of the fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala cannot, will not enter hellfire, right? Until milk can go back into others. Milk, you can't take milk and put it back into the others. Which basically means that anybody who is genuinely going to be fearful and who's going to cry out of the fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala cannot enter hellfire. Let us spend those moments. Let us spend those moments sometimes, you know, every few days, every day if, if you can. It doesn't have to be 24 hours a day, but every day where we can just shed a few tears out of that whole scene of the hell, hellfire. And this will protect us, inshallah. Then there's another from Ibn Abbas, radiallahu anhu. He says, I've heard the Prophet sallallahu saying, Aynani la tamassuhuma an-nar. There are, there are two eyes that are never going to be struck by the hellfire. Are the, uh, the two types of eyes that are never going to be struck by the hellfire. Aynun bakat fi jawfi layli min khashyatillah. One is the eye that has cried in the, in, the, in the depths of the night. Right? In the far recesses of the night. In the bellies of the dark nights from the fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Tahajju time. Or if you just go to sleep late. And the other one is those eyes that have stayed awake protecting the Muslim lands in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Those eyes who have stayed awake in the ribat, in the hirasa, in the protection, in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Imam Tirmidhi has transmitted this hadith and said it's a hasan hadith. Then we've got a hadith from Abu Rayhana, from the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, that the hellfire has become prohibited upon that eye that has shed tears in the middle of the night, out of the fear of Allah subhanahu wa taala, and also hellfire has been prohibited on those eyes that have remained awake in the path of Allah subhanahu wa taala. Then he mentioned the third one as well, but that's not mentioned here. This is Imam Nasai and Hakim also mentioned this transmission. Imam Ahmed has also transmitted this as well. Numerous ahadith like this. Imam Juzajani uh, has also mentioned, he says that hellfire has been made haram and unlawful upon the eye that remains. There's another one that remains awake with the book of Allah. If you go into the night, so wake up in the night and your eyes are awake, studying the kitab of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is also another way. Those eyes which have shed tears out of the fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That one he mentions as well. He mentions another third. So there's two new things in this one. The second new thing in here is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was also prohibited the hellfire upon those eyes that shut themselves from looking at the haram. Next time you're about to look at the haram, just think that if I close my eyes and avert my gaze, then hellfire is haram. That should be incentive enough, insha'Allah. Or the eyes which are poked out in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Imam Ibn Abid Dunya, he's got another narration that a person, uh, Zayd ibn Arkam radiallahu says that a person said, Ya Rasulullah, how can I protect myself from the hellfire? Let me know, wait, what can I protect myself from the hellfire with? With the tears of your eyes. Because any eye that has shed tears out of the fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the hellfire cannot touch them at all, ever. Uh, another very, very in interesting hadith. I want to mention this. He says, 
any eye that has become moist with the tears of Allah, uh, with, with, the, with tears out of the fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will prohibit that body, that person's body, right, upon the hellfire. Now, if, if they just, if the tears just well up, this is if the tears just well up, according to this saying, it goes in detail. If the tears just well up in the eyes, your whole body is protected. If the tears fall onto the cheeks, then that person's face will never be overcome by humiliation and disgrace. These people will not be disgraced, inshallah. And then it says that if a servant cries among a ummah from any of the nations, if there are there is a servant who cries, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by the crying of that servant will protect that person, uh, will protect that ummah from hellfire. We need people who cry. We need people who cry in our communities, in our homes, in our communities, in our countries, in our societies, whatever you want to call it. In our organizations, we need a crying person among them. Then inshallah, the barakah of that person spreads around to everybody. And then he says that every amal, every good deed there is, it has a certain weight, it has a certain potential and a reward. Except the tear, right, out of the fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, because by that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala extinguishes waves of the fire. So very powerful, very powerful, very powerful. Abdul Wahid ibn Zayd used to say, Oh my brothers, don't you cry out of just hope for Allah, like in excitement and so on. Don't you know he's basically saying that if there's somebody who cries to always be with his master or whatever, then the master would never deprive them of being in their company because these are very obedient slaves and servants. So, oh my brothers, uh, don't you also fear, don't you also cry out of the fear of Allah uh, of the hellfire? Because anybody who cries out of the fear of the hellfire, Allah will protect them from it and give them refuge. Um, there's some other of our great people of the past, uh, one of them said, Farqad, his name is, he says, I read in some books that the one who cries for paradise, then paradise will intercede for them. It will say, Ya Rabb, enter him into paradise, just like he used to cry to enter me. And the hellfire will seek refuge for that person from its Lord and say, My Lord, grant him refuge from the hellfire, just as he used to seek refuge from me. And he used to cry out of fear of entering, entering me. And the final narration, Thabit relates from Anas that once the Prophet recited this verse. In front of him was a dark-skinned man. He cried out loudly and then after that Jibreel came down and he said, who is this one that's crying in front of you? And he says, oh, it's this Abyssinian man. And he praised him. He praised him that he's such a good man and so on. So then Jibreel said, Allah Azza wa Jal has said, by my might, by my majesty, by my elevation, over my arsh, any servant's eyes that cry in the dunya, out of my fear, 
except that I will increase their laughter in paradise. I will increase their laughter in paradise. This transmission is an interesting transmission. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us protection. May Allah give us this tawfiq to do this. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, الَّذِينَ يَذْكُرُونَ اللَّهَ قِيَامًا وَقُعُودًا وَعَلَىٰ جُنُوبِهِمْ وَيَذَفَكَّرُونَ فِي خَلْقِ السَّمَاوَاتِ These are the people who remember Allah standing, sitting and lying down. And they are the ones who ponder in the creation of the heavens and the earth. And then they say that, Ya Allah, Ya oh my Lord, you've not created any of this in, in vain. And then they say, you are all purified, protect us from the hellfire. So then, then after Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَاسْتَجَابَ لَهُمْ رَبُّهُمْ That their Lord has actually answered their call. So that's what we need to do. That's what we need to do. That's why in the Sahih in Bukhari and Muslim, sorry, it's gone a bit, uh, a bit longer today, but I want to finish this because from next week, uh, from the next se uh, session, I want to start the description of, par uh, of Hellfire itself. So I have to finish this. This is just uh, a few narrations that are left that, that we need to complete. In Bukhari and Muslim from Abu Hurairah anhu, it says that the Prophet you know the famous hadith in about those angels when the Prophet also mentioned those angels that go around looking for gatherings of the remembrance of Allah, right? So in that hadith he mentions that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will ask them, will ask those angels, right? Whereas he actually knows completely, you know, he's more aware than everything about them, uh, about what they've seen. He said, what are this group, what is this group of people seeking uh, refuge from? So they would say from the hellfire. Says, have they seen the hellfire? Says, no, wallahi, they've not never seen the hellfire. How would it be if they'd seen the hellfire? So then they respond that if they had seen the hellfire, they would actually be even more intense in uh, trying to escape from it. And they would even be more fearful. So then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say, I make you the witness that I have forgiven them. That in itself also shows that actually actively seeking protection from the hellfire and being worried about it and crying about it is what the antidote to this is. Then Imam Tirmidhi and Nasai and Ibn Majah have another hadith from Anas radiallahu anhu. It's the same thing, similar thing that any Muslim who asks Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for paradise thrice. Ya Allah grant us paradise. Ya Allah grant us paradise. Ya Allah grant us paradise. There you go. We've asked. Say Ameen three times. Right? When a Muslim asks Allah for paradise thrice, the paradise says, Paradise is now making dua for us. Allahumma adkhilhu al-jannah. Oh Allah, enter him into paradise. And whoever seeks refuge from the hellfire thrice, Ya Allah, protect us from the hellfire. Ya Allah, protect us from the hellfire. Ya Allah, protect us from the hellfire. And hellfire will say, Oh Allah, protect him from the hellfire. So at least once a day, three times each. Then there is a hadith from Anas radiallahu anhu again. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said, Go and check into the record books of my servant. Anybody that you see has asked for paradise, give it to him. And anybody who sought protection from the hellfire, then I, I give him refuge. There's a, another hadith from Abu Sa'id. And actually Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu. One of them have transmitted from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam that when it is a hot day, and a person says, so it's a hot day, you're just troubled by the heat, right? It's a very hot day. And a person says, La ilaha illallah, ma ashadda harra hadha al-yawm. There is no God except Allah, how the heat of today is. 
right? How intense the heat of today is. Allahumma ajirni min harri jahannam. And then from that, he shifts to the hellfire and says, Oh Allah, so, oh Allah, give me refuge from the heat of the hellfire. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will then say to Jahannam. And Allah is ready to say this. Allah is just waiting to say this, in fact. The next time the hot day comes, say this, right? Allah will say to Jahannam, my, one of my servants has just sought protection from your heat with me, right? And I, bear, I make you witness that I've given him refuge. Similarly, right now it's cold days in the UK, right? They're still a bit cold in the mornings or in, in certain times. When it is a cold day, when it's a severely cold day and a servant says, La ilaha illallah, ma ashadda bard hadal yawm. You know how, uh, la ilaha illallah, you know how cold is today, right? How intense is the cold of today? Oh Allah, protect me, give me refuge from the zamharir of Jahannam, meaning the intense coldness of Jahannam. I don't know how many Kelvins it's going to be, right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say to Jahannam, my servant, one of my servants has just sought protection from me, from your coldness, right? You know, Pfizer has to be kept at this crazy, these Pfizer vaccines has to be kept at this crazy amount of, uh, you know, low temperature. It says, this is worse than that, right? This, this is like that. If anybody's cold, they're worried about the hellfire. Allah is going to then say that I make you witness that I have given him refuge. Somebody then asked that, what is this? You know, because we don't really hear about extreme cold of the hellfire because it's hellfire. But actually there is a section in there, right? There's hell that is very, very cold. So somebody asked, what is this Zamharir of Jahannam? So the Prophet ﷺ said, Baytun yulqa kafir. This is a room, like it's a special chamber in hellfire in which the kafir will be thrown in. And then because of the intense cold, he will become disintegrated just split apart you know so much dryness they'd actually break apart or something like that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us and finally the last thing I'm going to say for today um, about this Abu Sinan Isa ibn Sinan has transmitted from Ata al-Khurasani man istajara billahi min jahannam sab'a marrat anybody who seeks refuge with Allah from Jahannam seven times, Jahannam will say, La hajatilifik. Man, I got no need for you. I don't want anything to do with you. So Allah save us from the hellfire. Allah give us refuge 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 from the hellfire. Inshallah Jahannam will say that about us. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the tawfiq. That ends this section of our series um, this is was all about the fear and so on and inshallah from the next time we start with the fifth chapter which will be the first uh, inshallah of uh, it's going to start off with where jahannam is so we ask allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the right frame of mind the right understanding uh, to benefit from this and may allah allow us to benefit from this assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh